formal welcome. Welcome, one and all, to Daily Power Parsha. Today is July 1st. Who would have thought? July 1st, 2021. That's amazing. Um, almost July 4th, I guess in about three or four days. That's what we got. So we are going to continue our studies of the book, not the book, the Torah portion of Pinchas. And we are going to cover reading number five for Thursday. Five for Thursday. For those of you that joined last night for Torah studies, I think it might have been everybody. Um, for those that joined last night for Torah studies, you will be familiar with today's topic because it talks about the sacrifices brought on the holidays. I'm going to share my screen. We're going to jump right in and let's get rocking and rolling. Numbers chapter 28, verse number one. The Lord spoke to Moses saying, why is there a colon after the word to? The Lord spoke to Moses saying, Okay, I don't know. I'm assuming that's a typo. Last time I called typo, I had the typo. I was wrong, so who knows? I'm always hesitant now to call out typos, but that seems to be superfluous. So here's what God said to Moses. Verse number two. Command the children of Israel and say to them, My offering, my food for my fire offerings, a spirit of satisfaction for me, you shall take care to offer to me at its appointed time. This is very poetic. Let me just tell you what it's talking about. God is commanding Moses regarding the communal offerings, the sacrifices. So God calls them my offering, my food for my fire offerings, a spirit of satisfaction. Clearly God likes the offerings. So, and God says, these you shall shall take care of, you shall take care to offer to me at its appointed time. All my offerings shall be brought at their correct time. Times. There will be set times for the offerings. I will tell you what they are, but make sure they're brought at the right time. Let's go. Here we go. So what are the communal offerings? We continue with verse number three. And I, By the way, I'm going to get back to this. God calls them, the offerings is food. God calls them a spirit of satisfaction, which we've mentioned before in Leviticus. But I'm going to get back to that in a moment. But let's just get a little bit of Torah under our belts here. And you shall say to them, says God, This is the fire offering which you shall offer to the Lord on a daily basis. I'm adding those words, but trust me, this is the daily fire offering, the daily communal offerings. What are they? Here we go. Two unblemished lambs in their first year each day as a communal, as a continual burnt offering. So you would bring every single day. It's called the Karban Tamid. Tamid means constant or consistent or continual daily offering like daily power parsha which almost takes place every day except for the weekend saturday and sunday but nonetheless it's called daily power parsha this is daily lamb offerings two unblemished lambs brought each day for the community this is not a sin offering it's not a holiday offering it's a today is a special day because it exists offering Here we go, verse 4. The one lamb you shall offer up in the morning, and the other lamb you shall offer up in the afternoon. Two lambs, right? Two lambs, one in the morning, one in the afternoon. This was the carbon tummit. Every single day of the year, these offerings are brought. No exceptions, including Shabbat, including the festivals, including every special day that you can think of, and every ordinary day. It was always the same 
offering consistently for the community one lamb in the morning and one lamb in the afternoon. Along with the animals, there were other parts of the offering. There was also one-tenth of an apha of fine flour for a meal offering mixed with a quarter of a hin of crushed olive oil. Okay, so we have flour, we have some oil. All right, here we go. And this is a continual burnt offering as the one offered up at Mount Sinai for a spirit of satisfaction, a fire offering to the Lord. Again, this is burnt consistently each and every day, causes satisfaction and pleasure to God. It's a fire offering. Let's continue verse 7. It's libation. What is libation? Libation means a pouring offering where they would take something and pour it by the altar. It's libation. Shall be one quarter of a hin for each lamb to be poured. This was wine that was poured on the holy altar as a libation of strong wine. There you go. To the Lord. So they would pour a quarter of a hin of wine on the altar or by the altar as part of this sacrificial service slash offering. Oh, and the second lamb you shall offer up in the afternoon. Well, we mentioned that before, but here it's reiterated. There's a lamb in the morning and the second one in the afternoon. You shall offer it with the same meal offering and libation as the morning sacrifice. Right, the same, I'm just going to scroll back a little bit. The same ten, one-tenth of an eighth of fine flour mixed with a quart of a hint of crushed oil and the libation, a quart of a hint of wine pe- pe- to be poured on the altar. The same deal is done in the afternoon. Same meal offering, same libation as the morning. It's a fire offering with a spirit of satisfaction to the Lord. This, is a, this concludes the daily communal offering discussion. I hope this is coming across clear. I'm trying to clarify it as much as possible. When there was a temple standing or when there was a Mishkan, a portable sanctuary, like in the desert, when that was standing, every single day, the altar was busy. It was busy with personal offerings, with sin offerings, with Thanksgiving offerings, donations, whatever it was, it was busy. But despite all of the personal offerings and whatever, there were consistent offerings brought. Karban, Tamid, the consistent offering. One lamb in the morning, one lamb in the afternoon, along with flour and oil and wine that was brought every single day of the year, no exceptions. I need to share with you now a Midrash. The Midrash says that there were a bunch of rabbis discussing the greatest all-time verses in the Torah. This is a fantastic conversation. Like, what's your, what do you think is the greatest verse in the entire five books of Moses? What's like the top verse? So one rabbi said, the verse that says that human beings are created in the divine image. I mean, human dignity and divine, being created in the divine image, that's a verse. Another rabbi says, it's the one that talks about the mitzvah to love your fellow as yourself. The idea to extend yourself to help someone else out, that's the ultimate mitzvah, that's the ultimate verse of the Torah. Another rabbi says, another verse. Three, I forget which one. Three rabbis, three verses. All like top famous biblical verses. The fourth rabbi says, no. I'm going to tell you the most important verse in the Torah. And you ready? Here's what it is. Numbers chapter 28, verse number four, which we just read moments ago. What's the ultimate verse of the Torah? The one lamb you shall offer up in the morning and the other lamb you shall offer up in the afternoon. And that's how, 
That's how it ends. And some rabbis even say, you know what, that verse actually is the ultimate verse. You know, corroborating this one rabbi's opinion. How, does it, how do we understand this? How does it make sense? Right? How can we wrap our heads around this idea? You tell me that human beings are creating the image of God and we have a verse about that. That's great. Tell me about human responsibility to help each other out. Sure. Tell me that, you know, we all, whatever the other verse was. I forget the third verse. But these, these are big verses. But this verse, you shall offer up one lamb in the morning and one in the afternoon. How is that special? I want to share with you an insight. This, this might be a life-changing insight. It's easy to get inspired. It's easy to get inspired in, you know, big moments of inspiration. You know, wow, I'm creating the divine image. I'm excited. Or, you know what? Someone's in need. I'm going to help them out. We get excited and we become motivated and we take on resolutions. And, you know, for a minute we, we flare up in, in a good way. We, you know, explode with a fervor for spirituality. What happens inevitably, though, is as quickly as it flares up, it dies down. The excitement wanes. We get excited about a new project, a new idea, a new, a new, a new whatever it is, a new mitzvah. And then it becomes routine. It becomes old news. So what the Torah is telling us with this verse, verse number four, is that what does it mean to be in a relationship with God? It means that every day, in the morning, in the afternoon, you bring an offering. Every day you do something for Hashem, for the betterment of the world. Whether you're excited, whether you're not excited, whether it's a holiday or a Shabbat or a Thursday, July 1st, 2021, doesn't make a difference. This morning, did we give something of ourselves to Hashem? Did we extend ourselves to someone else? The afternoon, right? Morning is when, you know, it's, it's bright. In the afternoon, it's getting dark. In the morning and afternoon, if we can be consistent about our commitments, we're ahead of those who only get excited momentarily. It's like the tortoise and the hare. Remember that story? Remember the, the hare was, they were having a race, and the hare, which is a bunny, Rabbit moved really fast and it was so ahead of the race that he or she, whatever, fell asleep. And then the tortoise, slow and steady, won the race. Okay, if you don't remember the story, that's the story. Sorry for spoiling it for those that, that haven't read it yet. But the point is that sometimes, sometimes, maybe always, slow and steady does, does win the race. And it's great to be excited. It's great to be, you know, like, wow, overwhelmed by something. But you know what's really, what's even better? One lamb in the morning one lamb in the afternoon, to give up of ourselves every single day, twice a day, if not more, but consistently. Power in consistency. Power in every, having routines. Every morning we dive and every morning we study, every morning we give tzedakah, in the afternoon we do it as well. We, we have our times, that we have our classes, we have our, you know, mitzvah opportunities. Consistency. It's easy to get carried away in the latest trends, but consistency is that the key of Judaism, the key of our relationship with Hashem, and making a difference in the world. Hope that makes sense. Let's move on. We're up to verse number nine. So we spoke about the daily communal offering. Now we're going to speak about what happens on Shabbat. And on the Sabbath day, two unblemished lambs in the first year and two-tenths of an eighth of fine flowers, a meal offering mixed with oil and its libation. This is the burnt offering of each Shabbat on its sorry, each Sabbath on its Sabbath, in addition to the continual burnt offering and its libation. Very important. In addition 
to the normal continual burnt offering and libation that was brought every day of the year, including Shabbat, there was an additional, an additional offering on Shabbat, which are these two unblemished lambs in the first year, two tenths of an eighth of fine flour, etc., and libation. So you basically, in essence, doubled it up, right? You did one in the morning, one in the afternoon, but on Shabbat, you have an additional two lambs, two tenths of an eighth of fine flour mixed with oil, and a libation. I hope that makes sense. We call this musaf. You ever hear the word musaf? Musaf means addition. This is the additional offering in addition, in addition to the tamid, the, cons- the continual offering every day, the consistent offering each day. You had an additional Sabbath offering in detailed in verse number 9. That's how we have the musaf prayer, right? Exactly. So listen to this. Donna hit the nail on the head. Listen to this. Our prayers mirror the karban tamid, the continual offering. We pray in the morning, shachrit, and we pray in the afternoon. That's what we call mincha. The nighttime prayer, the arvit, the, the mairev, the, the, the nighttime prayer, why, why do we do that? If we had two daily offerings, so why a third prayer? It says that whatever offerings weren't able to be brought during the day or burned completely on the altar during the day, they were burned overnight. So to, to commemorate the altar's use overnight, we also have a nighttime prayer as well. So we have three prayers, but the first two, the morning and the afternoon, mirror that. On Shabbat, we had a fourth prayer. Which one? The Musaf. Because on Shabbat, there was an additional offering. In addition to the morning and afternoon lambs and whatever needed to burn overnight, there was the Musaf, the additional offering. We have an extra prayer. That's why if you come to services on Shabbat, you'll see we daven Shacharit, the morning prayer. We say the Amidah. We read the Torah. We then have, you know, the insights and, and sermon and whatever. And then we do another Amidah. And we call it Musaf. What's the Musaf? We don't do it on... Today we didn't do a Musaf. Why not? Because there was no Musaf offering in the temple on a Thursday. On a random Thursday. Is that why the rabbi, one of the rabbis said this is his favorite passage? Because it relates to the daily prayers? It could be. Or, as I said, a consistency. Yeah, it could be that also. It's like the, it's what, what, what we canonize, you know, what we commemorate each and every day is part of our rituals. Can I ask a question, Robert? So, sure. Um, you know, for kosher meat today, we need this, you know, the special, you know, this specialists that do that. Were there specialists that went to get the animals for the sacrifices? Yeah, 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 for sure. Because they had to inspect it, that they were unblemished. They had to be unblemished lambs in the first year for this offering. And each offering would have its specific type of animal. But for sure, there was um, purchasing and acquisitions. I'm kidding, whatever. Um, there was a purchasing department in the temple. Priests who knew what the deal was, they would you know, purchase the animals. And they ca- that came from communal funds. Let me just mention this, because along the lines of purchasing, where'd they get the money from? Every year, they would raise a half shekel donation from each household. One half shekel, just not, not a lot of money, one half shekel, but times, you know, everyone. So they, that, and that would cover all of the communal offerings. In other words, the offerings brought on behalf of the community each and every day and Shabbat and the festivals, which we'll see soon. They had their own additional Musaf offerings. Um, but, you know, that's what the, te- that's what the temple, um, sorry, that's what the donation fees covered Essentially, you were paying in to be represented by the communal offering. So you gave, but it really was for you, essentially.
as a member of the community. Um, okay, so let's now talk about the holidays. Well, sorry, let's talk about Rosh Chodesh before we talk about the, the, the holidays. So we're kind of going like the most frequent to the least frequent. We talked about the daily offerings. We talked about Shabbat offerings. So that's daily is 365 times a year. Um, Shabbat is 52 times a year. Then we have Rosh Chodesh, which is 12 times a year because the, each month has a Rosh Chodesh. So here we go. Uh, verse 11. And on the beginning of your months, in the Hebrew, it's plural for Rosh Chodesh. Rosh Chodeshem, Rosh Chodeshes. At the beginnings of your months, you shall offer up a burnt offering to the Lord. In again, in addition to the everyday offering, because it is a day, you would offer a special Musaf offering because it's Rosh Chodesh. And what, what would that entail? Um, it entails two young bulls, one ram and seven lambs in their first year, all unblemished. You see that? Now it's a bigger, uh, now it's a whole suite of, of animals here. Um, it's two young bulls, one ram, seven lambs, all unblemished. And alongside the animals, we have three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a meal offering, mixed with oil for each bull, and two-tenths of an ephah of fine flour as a meal offering, mixed with oil for each ram. Again, if you're doing the math here, three-tenths of an ephah for each bull, two-tenths of an ephah for each ram. And one-tenth of an ephah for uh, fine flour mixed with oil as a meal offering for each lamb. So there are three types of animals on Rosh Chodesh, the bull, the ram, and the lamb. And each one came, came along with a meal offering, which in different proportions, three-tenths of an ephah, two-tenths of an ephah, and one-tenth of an ephah. You can create a sp spreadsheet if you want, you know, to, to visualize it but it's right here in the verses. You can always reference it. Um, a burnt offering with a spirit of satisfaction, a fire offering to the Lord. That is what this was. And their libations, don't forget, we're pouring wine, a half a hin for each bull, a third of a hin for each ram, and a quarter of a hin for each lamb. And what was poured was wine. I love how it just says, for each lamb, wine. Right, but... Their libations consisted of wine in the amount of half a hen for a bull, third of a hen for a ram, and a quarter of a hen for a lamb. This is the burnt offering of each new month and its month throughout the months of the year. So every Rosh Chodesh, this was, this was brought. Verse 11, 12, 13, and 14, that is what was done on Rosh Chodesh. In addition, oh, I'm sorry, and one young male goat for a sin offering to the Lord. Don't forget about the goat sin offering. For those of you that just took our course, Curious Tales of the Talmud, you know this verse. You know this verse that there's a young male goat that's brought as a sin offering to the Lord. And what's the sin? Diminishing the moon. Remember that one? Diminishing the moon? That was lesson two? All right. I'm assuming everyone's saying yes, and they, they remember it nonetheless. All right. One young male goat for a sin offering to the Lord. It shall be offered up in addition to the continual burnt offering and its libation once again. This is the Musaf, which means it's not coming to replace the daily offering. It's coming in addition to the daily offering. So I want to just be clear, and I probably was clear. I tried to be clear before, but I just want to be super duper crystal clear. Every single day of the year, without any exception, the Tamid was brought. Tamid means can. Consistent offering. Every single day of the year, 
one lamb in the morning, one lamb in the afternoon. That was set in stone. On Shabbat, you bring extra. On Rosh Chodesh, you bring even more extra. On the holidays, which we're not going to do today, we'll do tomorrow on the holidays, you also bring extra. Those are all called Musaf or Musafin in plural, the Musafs, right? The Musaf offerings. A regular day, regular communal offerings. Special day, regular plus special. That's what we call it, Musaf in addition. And that's why, again, on Shabbat, on Rosh Chodesh, and on the festivals, in our prayers, we have an extra Amida that we call the Musaf Amida. It's, we do it on Shabbat. We do it on Rosh Chodesh, yes. Every month we do it also. We have a, an additional Amida in our prayers. And every holiday, we have a Musaf prayer. So, typically, daily, we have three prayers. Two which commemorate the Tamid morning, afternoon, and one for the burning of the stuff on the altar. On Shabbat, Rosh Chodesh, and the holidays, we have four prayers commemorating the Musaf offering. And the only exception to that is Yom Kippur, where we have five. Why? Because Yom Kippur is like the holy day. The high priest would immerse himself five times in a mikvah. He would have, um, it's a day of, of, we're in touch with all five levels of the soul. Whatever it is, Yom Kippur is the only day that we have five Amidas. Um, so typically it's three. Special days are four, and Yom Kippur has five. All right, what's the moral of the story? The moral of the story is what I said before about the continual offering. It's good to have a holiday. It's good to have Shabbat. It's good to be excited. But God is in the details. And really what, what separates you know, good from great or great from good is consistency. How consistent we are. Even when it seems like grueling or whatever it is, but consistency is so important for, um, for building anything. It's easy to get excited and, and, and flare up and flare out. Consistency is how we build something truly marvelous. Um, another um, insight perhaps to share, the idea of my food, right? God calls these offerings my food. Why my food? It seems very anthropomorphic, which we talked about again in lesson two of uh, Curious Tales of the Talmud. It seems very humanizing. So the mystics explain, just like food keeps a person alive, keeps the soul in the body, keeps the body healthy enough that the soul remains attached. So essentially food is what connects spirit and matter within a person, soul and body. Let me, let me explain what, I, what I'm saying now. If a, God forbid, if a person didn't eat, if the body was weak and didn't have food or water, right, what would happen? They would pass away. And what does that mean when a person passes away? The body is here and the soul is there. They separate. So what keeps them together? Well, Hashem, obviously, but also food. Food is the glue that keeps soul in the body. Does that make sense what I just said? Right? Food keeps us alive, so it, it keeps soul and body together. What's soul and body, spirit and matter? So by calling the sacrifices my food, what God is alluding to is that when we bring an offering, and today when we pray, because we don't have offerings, but we have prayer. And like I said last night, we also have Torah study and giving tzedakah. But when we do these things, 
It's like food for God. God needs food. God doesn't need food. But like food that fuses spirit and matter together, our good deeds, our prayer, our Torah study, fuses heaven and earth together, merges spirit and matter in this beautiful union. And it's a spirit of satisfaction. God loves nothing more than to see us doing what we need to be doing. It's like, um, like anyone, like a parent. A parent loves when a child gets it right. And no, we're never, we're never going to get it perfect because that's, that's beyond. The human being is created imperfect. So go, go try to find perfection. Um, but we do, we do our best. And, and when, we, when, we, when we know what we need to be doing and we do it, then that creates perfection. The Rebbe once said, that it's the, it's the coming together of, of, a, of a community of imperfect individuals that God's vision for this world becomes perfectly executed, right? So it's the imperfect us's who can create or realize, bring to fruition God's perfect vision of a perfected world. And even if it seems impossible, it's possible. By the way, and what's the culmination of that perfect world? Mashiach. And what's the culmination of Mashiach? The resurrection of the dead. And if you're wondering, well, what's the resurrection of the dead? Do I have a course for you? Starting tonight at 8 o'clock, resurrection of the dead. If you are signed up for it and you're thinking, I signed up for it. How come I don't know how to log on? What's, what's, what's with the Zoom information? Don't worry. It's coming your way. I'm going to send out an email right after this class. We'll get you the info and you'll be able to join tonight at 8 p.m. If you're not yet signed up, but you're intrigued, send me a message and we'll get you on to try it out. If you want to jump in, but you haven't yet, you know, registered, then take a minute to register on our website. You can even create an account on our website. I never talk about this, but I think you can create an account and it makes it easier. Is that correct? Yes? Okay. I, okay. Yes. Yeah, it's super easy and then you have all your information and uh... Okay, awesome. Yeah. Can I ask a question about the reading, please? Yeah, for sure. So I think Wait, hold on, hold on. You mean interrupting my commercial to go back to the Torah? Okay, fine. Fine. Okay, if you insist. I'm kidding. Yeah, yeah, jump in. So verse 15, I think it's the last verse. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share it. Let's pull it up so we can all see it. Yes. So I'm trying to practice my new Hebrew reading skills. Yes, nice. I'm looking on the right. I don't see Musaf. Is, is no, that? it's not. It's not Musaf. Nope. It's not there. You're not going to find it. In addition, in al, al, yeah, it's a different word. Al means above or over or in addition to. Al means right. on, on or over. Yeah. Now, yeah. where is Musaf mentioned? Um, it's not mentioned. I was looking before also. It's not mentioned in the text here today. Let's scroll down. Sorry for getting everyone dizzy by rapidly scrolling through text. Let me hide Rashi for a second, see if we have any... Musaf mentioned here. I don't know if it is. No, again, we have al, which means in addition to. Um, so there's two different ways of saying. No, not really. I mean, that, that's the way it's phrased in, in, the, in the verses. But colloquially, it's always musaf. No one would ever call it anything else. It's, so it's, it's not... musaf, uh, it's a Hebrew word. That oh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's also, I mean, I ask my kids this all the time. I'm like, guys, what is, um, what is a cow's favorite prayer? Musaf. There you go. All right. All right. There you go. <laughs> Terrible. I know. Um, okay. So that is that. But Musaf, here's, here's what you, sh what, just to clarify, Musaf is mentioned 
in Torah. The word appears in Torah. Now you're asking where, or you might ask where. I have to look it up. I mean, it's uh, it's either in somewhere in this. Yeah, well, no, and it's the name of the offerings. They're called the Musafin. I mean, they're called that in elsewhere in Torah. They're, you, that term is applied, and so that's the term that we use. It's yeah, it's the Karban Musaf. That's in in in, in halach and Jewish law. That's what these sacrifices are called. They're called Karban Musafin. I, I feel like maybe there's one more thing that I want to clarify before we close it out. Um, the difference between communal offerings and personal offerings. I think I mentioned it before. Well, I know I mentioned it before. I just want to make sure. You know, I just want. To, just super, super clear on this. I could, you know, you and I, we could bring back in the day, right? We could, we could bring uh, sacrifices and offering. You could, if just whenever you wanted, if you felt, you know, um, you just want to give God, a, you want to just give, uh, give a gift. You want to give a, a, a carbon, an offering. Great, no problem. Um, you want to give thanks for, you know. Uh, recovering from an illness or traveling and coming back safely from, you know, travel overseas or whatever it is. Yeah. Bring, bring a carbon toda. All of these were on the outside. All of these were on the outside. The only thing on the inside, there were two altars, the outer altar, the inner altar. The only thing that was brought on the inner altar was the incense. That is a separate conversation. Today we talked about animals Flour and wine libation, all of that was on the outer copper altar. But thanks for clarifying that. Thanks for mentioning that. So all this is the outer altar. So the person bringing the carbon could actually show up and stand there. And then obviously the priest would, would handle the actual, you know, the, the procedure. But the person would, would be standing there. Okay. This could be brought by men, women, Jew, non-Jew. It doesn't make a difference. You could bring an offering. Now, you can't, you're not going to actually slaughter it, bring it up to the altar, burn it. That, that, the Kohen handled the actual ritual, but the person was there. Now, when it came, so those are private offerings. Oh, I forgot to mention another category, sin offerings. Person did something, you know, whoops, made a mistake. All right, there's an offering. There's an app for that. There's an offering for that. Um, a person intentionally, unintentionally, whatever, there's, there's, there's a sacrifice that could be brought. Today we're talking and tomorrow we'll be talking about communal offerings. This is not for any specific reason other than every day we do this or every holiday we do this or every Shabbat we do this or every Rosh Chodesh we do it, representing the community before God. That's it, straight up. It's representing before God. It's not because of a sin. It's not because of a, of a happy occasion, a sad occasion. Uh, every single day, there's the, there's the Tammit offering, the consistent daily offering. Shabbat is the Shabbat offering. Rosh Chodesh, Rosh Chodesh offering. So it's, it's for the day on behalf of the congregation. And that's what was given in for the half shekel donations to cover that on behalf of the community. Just wanted to clarify that so it makes sense. All right, tomorrow... Same bat time, same bat channel, 12 noon. We are going to pick it up with readings number six and seven. And we'll we'll, um, talk about the rest of the, well, not the rest. We didn't talk about holidays today. We'll talk about the Jewish holidays. We'll go through the year and focus, as I mentioned last night, we'll focus on um, on the communal offerings that were brought for each holiday. All right, that is it for today. Any other questions? Comments, notes, rebuttals. It was a question from yesterday. Yes, sure. 
we talk about smicha. Yes. And I think that's what, uh, when you become a rabbi, that's what you, uh, are you calling it smicha? Do you do this also? When you, I mean, does someone hold their hand on you when you become a rabbi? That's my rabbi documentation. Nice. That says that I, that's, yeah, that's medical school. Joking, right, see this? Yeah, it's, it's legit, I printed it out myself from, uh, from an online template. Joking, joking, come on guys. What's the name of the institution? This one is from the chief rabbi, there's English here, can you guys see that? I feel like it's at a weird angle. It's Rabbi Yitzchak Yehuda Yaroslavsky, chief rabbi of Nachla Har Chabad, chairman judicial corps Chabad Lubavitch Rabbinical Alliance of Israel. He's, he's, yeah, legit, <laughs> legit. So I got this back in the day. It's been a few years. So when we get smicha, no. The rabbi nowadays is not, not touching anyone's heads. It'll be like, no. rabbi, I respect you, but really I got, I got, I got the hair thing going on. Like no, no need to get, no, I'm kidding. So no, there, there's no, there's no like actual smicha. That was done in an unbroken chain from Moses throughout from, from uh, what would you call master to disciple, whatever it is, from teacher to student, select students would get it and it stayed unbroken. And that was like a sign. You had to have that smicha, that unbroken chain of whatever you would call it. You had to have that in order to um, be a member of the Sanhedrin, the Jewish court, the high Jewish court of law. Um, it, it, it was like a very, very special thing, only given to very, you know, very special individuals. And it was one of the things that the Romans stopped. Because the Romans, after the second temple's destruction, so at first, they're like, okay, we destroyed your temple, we kicked you out of Jerusalem, but, you know, whatever. And then they revolted, the Jews revolted. Remember this in history, right? The Jews revolted, Bar Kokhba, right? Okay. Either way, they revolted, and then the, the, the Romans said, if that's the way it's going to go, done. So they, they physically and spiritually like, tried to crush, crush, crush the Jewish people. Um, by the way, we're still here, as you can tell, but nonetheless, that was the attempt. And part of that was to, get, to end smicha. Basically saying that whatever, whichever generation had it, no one was allowed to bestow it. The Talmud said, famously, the Talmud tells a story about a rabbi who gathered his students out in the middle of like the desert so that no one would see, and he was giving them smicha, and then the Romans came, and he told them to flee, and they all ran different directions, but he was old, and he stayed there, and they said, the students said, let's carry you. He was like, no, then you're going to get caught. They left him, and it said that the Romans took their spears. I'm, it's going to be a little gross, but they, they, they speared him so many times that he was like a sieve. His body was so, was so punctured with their, because he gave the smicha. But the point is that was, I think, the last time it was done, or one of the last times it was done, because of the, literally the life and death threat, and it got broken. Now, we have smicha today. We use the same word. It's rabbinic ordination. Yeah, that means that you studied enough to, you know, where you're, we, we can call you a rabbi. You're qualified to be called a rabbi. But it's not that unbroken, you know, chain going back to Moses type thing. Even though, obviously, Torah does go back to Moses. It's the same Torah, same law, but not on that level that it once was. Hope that makes sense. Oh, by the way, one second. One second. Hold on. Let's talk about Mashiach for a second. It says when Mashiach comes, 
the Sanhedrin will be reintroduced, the high Jewish court. But how does that work? For the high Jewish court, you need smicha. And, and, and it has to be unbroken. And it's been broken. What's the answer? Help me out here. Who comes back before Mashiach comes? Elijah the prophet. Remember Elijah? Elijah has smicha. So if he comes back, someone has smicha, they can give it to someone else. Are you with me? He is the missing link in the chain, or he's the link in the chain that's going to make it happen. Anyway, I hope that makes sense. All right, friends, Romans, countrymen, lend me your ears. Where was that from? Julius Caesar or something? Somewhere in Shakespeare. Um, okay, that's it for today, DPP. Tonight, Resurrection of the Dead. If you see any zombies, let me know. But hopefully we're not actually... Yeah, in Georgia, you know. Zombies in Georgia? Oh, right, because they were uh, filmed here. TV show. The TV show. What's it called? Um, the Walking Dead or Walking something? Dead, yeah. Walking, yeah, Walking Dead. Yeah. You never know. I'm just going to say this. You never know. And tonight, you will know. You never knew until now, but tonight, you're going to know. All right, everybody, we'll see you soon. Olia, welcome. Uh, I'm welcoming you now. All right. Good to see you. Donna, good to see you. Sandrine, good to see you. Sarah, good to see you. And we saw you for a second, so it's good to see you um, um, here at the classes. Great to have you. Sarah, where are you? Hey, where are you located? You're in Florida? Okay. Got it. Got it, got it, got it. Cool. A ski resort, right? Awesome. Oh, wait, hold on. You're muted. We can't hear you. You're muted. Yeah. There we are. There you go. Yes, I'm in Florida. I'm in Florida. Nice. Super cool. Yeah. All right. Well, welcome. welcome. This is the great the, pleasure. This is the great collapsing of time and space that Zoom creates, right? We can connect like this from across the country. All right. Well, the floor is not that far. But anyway, good to see you all. We'll see you hopefully tonight and tomorrow. Have a great day. See you guys soon. Take care, everybody. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.